1: Well, this morning we're going to dive into uh, and really continue the series that we started last week. It's just a little mini-series here, three weeks, called Better Together. And we said last week that some things are just better together. And so if you could help me by saying better together... That's good. I like the energy. And uh, Let's talk about some of those things. How about this? How about Batman and Robin? They are better together, right? How about Snoopy and Charlie? They're better together. What about Ben and Jerry, right? (laughs) I like it, especially when they're making ice cream. They're better together. How about Sonny and Cher? They were better together, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> uh, let's go back a few years. How many remember Laverne and Shirley, right? They were better together. Let me see how many, how many hands. Anybody? Uh, okay, about half. All right, not too bad. All right, that's good. Uh, for those that are uh, younger among us, how about SpongeBob and Patrick, right? Just better together, Woo, right? And last but not least, how about PB&J, right? Pastor Ben and Jessica we're better together. Yes. 25 years married and counting, and she's still ripping it off. my. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> later, later. All right. Okay. Some things. She said gross, and I'm thinking this is a... What? Oh, my kids said gross. Sorry. Sorry, Reagan Logan. Some things, let's get, keep on track here, are just better together. Can I get an amen? Right? Yeah. Now, this series is not about dynamic duos or the ultimate couplings, right? This is a series about people. It's a series about us, right? Here on the lakeshore, connecting within our families and at our schools and on our sports teams and people at our work and in our neighborhoods. Because I believe and we believe that we are better Together And last week, I suggested that it's harder these days to be together than maybe at any other time in history. Isolation is certainly a trend that has been pandemic, if I could use that word. And it's dangerous, and it's certainly tough for all of us. But if we work hard to be together, especially in a few key areas that we're talking about in this series, I believe that we will be Better that we'll fight against loneliness, we'll fight against spiritual drift that can happen for any of us. There's an encouragement to live in community, right? The way God intended, with intentionality, right? Together. And when we choose to work at it, live this way, it's better. It's better for our families, for our marriages, for our kids. For our, for our friendships. There are better opportunities in life and better resources when we come together. And overall, there's this idea of favor and wisdom and encouragement and influence and uh, influence. How do you like that? Influence and even greater territory. You say, well, where you know, how can you be so confident? Well, I'm confident because God's word says it's true. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Our key phrase is that first few words, that two are better than one. Two are better than one. And let's look at the rest. It says, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will be lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. For when he falls, and has no one other to lift him up. That's kind of Ben Bay's version, and you can read it in the real version. How many have ever heard... That two hands are better than one. You've heard that, right? The idea that two people working on a problem are more likely to have better success to solve that than just one on their own. And in most cases, that's very true. It's because we are better together. And what we're saying in this series is that there are three types of relationships that we all need to have. There's not any of us that are exempt from these. To live at our best, to be hidden on all cylinders, we need one of all of these three. And what we said is that everyone needs a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in their lives. When we say a Paul, we talked about it last week a little bit, right? Everyone needs a Paul, but uh, it's a mentor, a coach, someone who builds into our lives. And we said someone that pours into our lives. We need a Paul. We also need a Barnabas, an associate, a friend someone to collaborate with, someone to walk along with. And then we also need a Timothy, and we'll talk about that next week. It's huge. An apprentice, someone that we can pass our wisdom, our encouragement, our knowledge and experience on to. And as we unpack this... We said that last week we needed a Paul, someone pouring into our lives. That's because we all leak. And we did a little illustration. If you weren't here, you can go back and watch that. But it's interesting, when you think about Paul and his influence, uh, when we thought about Paul pouring into uh, the other apostles, pouring into uh, Timothy in particular, Paul had someone alongside of him for most of his ministry Paul was unshakable, yes, in his faith and in his knowledge. One of the smartest men, uh, certainly the greatest theologians that ever lived. But Paul needed an encourager. He needed an advocate in his life. And when Paul needed support, who was there? It was Barnabas right and today we're going to look at the fact that we all need a Barnabas in our lives an associate a friend and as gifted as Paul was he never was a one-man show and we're going to dive into that and get into that in a second. But let's just be honest. Let's just be totally transparent that this series of Better Together is uh, strategic in our timing. In regards, it's in line with our fall uh, Connect Group uh, season that is coming and we are in recruiting season and we want you to be a part of a connect group because we believe that we are better together. And one of the connect groups this fall that we want to highlight this morning is called Making Life Disciples. And this particular group will equip us to walk with someone shoulder to shoulder in life through the most difficult seasons, through trauma, through heartache, and through different things. And I've asked Shelley Holler to come. She works at Positive Options in Grand Haven. And uh, she will be a part of this class. And uh, there are others as well. And share a little bit of your heart of how this class is going to be a benefit to our congregation.
2: Thank you. Good morning. How Good is morning. everyone today? <laughs> um, I'm going to challenge you to think of a time in your life that you were at a crossroads may have been a crisis it may have simply been hey I've got to make a decision one way or the other what am I going to do and I want you to think about who if anyone did you talk to and what was the response that you got was it a positive response and you felt really good and went "Oh, I'm so glad I talked with them or was it a negative response and went oh man that didn't help me at all I'm going to share with you an experience I had um, way back when. I remember working with my mom and figuring out my high school schedule. And and I don't know about you, but I'm from a family that we're pretty bullheaded. And when we have an idea and we think it's the best idea, we think everybody else should go along with that idea because it's the best one and it works well. Well, my mom had the idea that I should go to the tech center. But I had decided a few years earlier, I wanted to go on to college. And that was not what I wanted to do, was the tech center. My mom is from a family that nobody went to college. My dad was from a family that nobody went to college. My older brother went to the tech center. And she thought that's where I should go. And I think she really didn't know how to respond when I said I didn't want to do that that was her way thought she that she thought was the best way and that i should go but what it did is it left me thinking i'm on my own here because she shut down not knowing what to do i look back and think about how that impacted my life cuz i'm still that way i just go and do what i think i need to do and i don't seek out other people to do that with Making Life Disciples is a training that helps us all look at how do I become better at being a listener? How do I become better at asking those deep, hard questions and having empathy and understanding for where the other person is at? The class is great for life for life in general for all of those things that people face in life and how do I love them through some of the messy stuff of life it will also take a look at unplanned pregnancy and we all have to take a look individually and as a church how do we respond to that if someone came to you and said I'm pregnant what am I gonna do would this be a safe place for them to come to be embraced and to walk through that together. It's a very hard thing and we don't always know when it's going to pop up in our lives or what it's going to trigger from something that we've had in our lives in the past. I'd like you to take a look to your right and find the next person next to you that's of childbearing age, particularly a woman. Look to your left and find the next person near you of the same matter? Statistics tell us that one of the three of us will have experienced or will experience an abortion. With every abortion, with a woman, there's a man involved. There's a lot of people in the need of healing, a lot of people in pain, because we don't talk about it is this a safe place where someone your best friend came to you and said I had an abortion how would you respond and how do we as a congregation help bring healing to the hurting from an abortion Um, I had talked with a friend this week and we were sharing how our families came to know Christ Kira was an unplanned pregnancy of her parents. And when that happened, her parents left the church. She was 10 years old and had been wanting to go to Sunday school, had been wanting, watching all these kids go into VBS, wanted to do that, but her parents weren't a part of a church. But there was a woman in in her family's life who met her dad well before her dad met her mom and stayed a part of his life, became a part of their lives, who encouraged them to be a part of a church? Carol is a beautiful Christian woman who loves God, who 's raised her family to know God, and is leaving a beautiful legacy. but it happened because of a woman in her, their family 's life who encouraged them. Yep. She was the Barnabas in carol 's life right making life disciples is a, a training that will take you through. How do I become one of those Barnabas? To be equipped and, like I said earlier, to ask good questions, to be a good listener, to have empathy, and to be that Barnabas that's someone that you're walking with with someone. So I encourage you to be a part of that. We'll see you in a couple weeks.
1: Thank you so Thanks much, grandma. Shelley. Awesome. We're super excited to be hosting that class. It's one of many of the connect groups and we want you to be a part of these groups. Shelley and her husband will be out in the lobby after to talk more. If you want more information, she would be a great great resource. She's got some things that she can put in your hands and it'll be a blessing. Awesome. We're talking this morning about a Barnabas, and that class in particular is going to help you to be a Barnabas, to walk alongside, to encourage someone. But let's get into it. As I uh, studied Barnabas this last week, I knew about Paul and Barnabas and Timothy, and it was kind of a logical uh, progression and kind of an easy uh, topic to kind of put out there. But man, when I started digging into the life of Barnabas, my mind was kind of exploded and just was excited about the potential and what Barnabas' life has meant and how we can model after him. It's interesting that pa- Barnabas is really the one who paved the way, uh, knowing that his gifts alone would not be enough to expand the gospel, and so he took Paul along with him. And But Paul is the one that got the credit, and we'll see that there's something to that. Uh, Paul, or Barnabas is a fascinating character. He's seen in the book of Acts, he's seen in Corinthians, he's seen in the book of Galatians, and then Colossians, but primarily in the book of Acts. But even in the book of Acts, he is a minor character. You don't see a lot, but this guy had huge impact. His life was so important. And I believe that we all need a Barnabas type of person in our life. So let's just talk about it. There's three things that kind of stud, stood out to me in the book of Acts when we look at Barnabas' story. The first is that Barnabas was generous he was generous he was unselfish and he really showed up big time early on in the church and uh, in fact acts chapter 4 verses 32 through 37 it's a classic new testament passage that we've used about uh, small groups and about uh, just about being together for years but look what it says it says and now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I love the fact that Jesus was always the priority. And it's got to be always our priority as well. And there was great uh, grace upon them all, it said. Now, this is the part that you've heard. There was not one that was needy uh, among them. For as many as were owners of land and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. We'll pause there for a second. How many have heard this part of the, of the gospel story of, of the, in the book of Acts, right? That the apostles came, the people, they, they just were sharing, they were caring for one another, and there were no needs. Well... Barnabas was a part of that. Look what it says. It says, Thus Joseph, we'll explain who that is, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Paul or Barnabas was an early giver in the church. He cared for those that were around him. And in those couple verses, we see some important things. The first thing we see is that uh, Barnabas was a Levite. That means he attended to the temple, had responsibilities around the church. He was also from Cyprus, so he was an outsider, and at least part of his life, he lived outside of Jerusalem, which would become very beneficial to Paul and Barnabas and the work that they were doing. And really, Barnabas wasn't his name, we see. So he had a nickname, his real name was Joe, right? His Joseph. And uh, this guy, Barnabas, who had the nickname Son of Encouragement, was a giver with no strings attached. And he provided miraculously for others early on in the early church. And it was a difficult time to do that. I think of the time that we're living in today. It can seem like it's a tough time uh, for some. And you look at what's happening around the world and different tragedy and different crisis. And and sometimes when those things happen, we can kind of bring our cards close or say, you know what, I'm not going to give or I'm going to hold off. Maybe I'll give next year, right, or whatever. Well, the same thing was happening there. The church was kind of exploding, but there was a lot of persecution. In that same season, Stephen and James would both lose their life. Others were, uh, were put in prison because of their faith. And Barnabas still led the way in giving. And I love that. And I, we talk a lot around here about being generous and that we can be generous on every occasion. You've probably heard me say that if you've been around. And I just want to encourage you that when I read this story about Barnabas and giving, that you and I, we can be someone else's miracle by just being generous, by doing what the Lord says and giving and even sacrificing. And it can be a miracle for someone else. And I think of the Afghanistan Project in particular, when we think about $30,000 in just a couple weeks, that is the favor of God working on each of us to do what we can. And uh, Barnabas, I think if he was a part of this congregation, he would have led the way and he would have been giving along with us. He was generous. But not only was he generous, the second thing is that Barnabas was also Loyal. In Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 25, we won't read the whole story, but it's the story of Paul's conversion. And uh, if you know the story, Paul used to be called Saul, and he was the chief persecutor of the church. He's killing uh, uh, Christians, he's putting Christians in jail, all kinds of persecution. And Saul is his name at that point. He makes his way to Damascus, has this encounter with Jesus, and then he makes his way to Jerusalem. And in Acts 9, verse 26, the story picks up, and it says, "...and when he came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples." So now he's had had this encounter with Jesus. He's now trusting in Jesus, and he wants to be included. He's saying, hey, I'm here. Can I join your group? And look what it says. It says that the apostles were afraid of him, and maybe rightfully so, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But then verse 27, look what it says. But Barnabas. Let that just sink in. It was Barnabas who took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road they had seen the Lord and who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them in Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord and he spoke and, dis, uh, and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. Barnabas believed in Saul and was loyal to help him along. No one wanted to extend a friendship to Paul, but Barnabas responded in faith and embraced Paul. A little later in Acts, Acts eleven verses twenty-two through twenty-four, uh, it's not the only time that Paul or that Barnabas was loyal to Paul. There was again extreme persecution happening. The church was being scattered, and we see again that Barnabas was loyal and he was trusted. Right when uh, some went to Antioch, they were spreading the gospel to that city, but uh, the apostles thought they should send someone to Antioch to be an encouragement, someone they could trust. Who do you think they sent? They sent Barnabas. Let's look at it. Verse 22, it says, The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. They were looking for someone they could trust, who was loyal. And yes, Barnabas was the man. When he came, he saw the grace of God. He was glad, and he exhorted them, right? So he's an encourager. And he encouraged them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, it says, right? He was a great man. Uh, Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. I love that. And it says, And a great many people were added to the Lord. Barnabas, his loyalty, his ability for people to trust him was significant. A little later, just uh, the next few verses, we see again that he is not only loyal, but he's mature, it says, so Barnabas went on, uh, went to uh, Tarsus, uh, and he's looking for Saul. He was loyal to his friend Saul and brought him underneath his wing. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. He said, hey, let's walk together. Let's do this. It says for a whole year they met with the church and taught with a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Pretty cool. Now in that day, the prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over the whole world, right? And so the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And I believe, it doesn't say it specifically, but I believe that Barnabas was spearheading that because of his encouragement and his past record of giving. And it says, and so they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand. Who did they send it with? Who did they trust? Who was loyal? It was Barnabas and Saul. The point is here that the apostles trusted Barnabas. And Barnabas trusted this new convert, Paul, who was Saul. And if he hadn't, the first missionary journey that Paul took would never have happened. One more quick point of loyalty, and then we'll get to the third, is that in Acts 13, verses 1 through 3, it says, now they were in the church of Antioch, uh, prophets and teachers, and it names Barnabas and uh, Simeon and Lucius and Manian and Saul, so Paul was there. And it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And they, after praying and fasting, they laid hands on them and sent them off. Now, when you read through this, you see something that it's interesting. It says there, they set apart for us Barnabas and Saul. And that is something that the writer Luke was intentional about at that point, but that wasn't going to happen for very long. In verse 3, it's Barnabas and Saul. But the third thing we're going to see about Barnabas is that he was humble. So he was not only generous and loyal, but he's also humble. And what I love about this story is that he was certainly called by the Holy Spirit to go with Paul... Acts 13 is the first missionary journey, right? And Barnabas allowed access and opened doors that uh, Paul would not have had because of uh, Barnabas's background. And Barnabas understood both the Jewish and uh, the Roman society, and so he was invaluable on this journey. But it was Paul who gets the credit, right? And when you think about humility, it's pushing someone else ahead of yourself, right? And that's exactly what Barnabas does. Even though Barnabas paved the way for this to happen, it was Paul that got the glory. In and, and Acts 13 verse 2, we saw, again, Barnabas and Saul. And in ancient literature, it's important, the order of names. And it was important because in that sense, at that point, Barnabas was the leader of that trip. He was the leader of the team. In fact, even in Lystra, they called Barnabas Zeus and then Paul Hermes. And so Barnabas was a significant leader in the right. But somewhere between chapter 13 and chapter 14, the writer Luke changes from Barnabas and Saul. And from that point on it was Paul and Barnabas. And it's interesting. Barnabas was humble even through that transition. And in the process Acts 13 verse 3, it says they were launched into the ministry. Uh, they, we know that, uh, that he was set apart, right? And in that context, we know by history that John Mark joined them. And John Mark, you say, well, who is that? Well, we'll, well, I'll tell you in a second. But eight verses later, this guy John Mark has now been uh, jumping ship. He is deserting the group that were on this first missionary journey. And then you fast forward 15 years uh, into their work together Um, Paul and Barnabas at this point, and look what it says, what happens, and it's very interesting. It says, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark. That's John Mark. But Paul thought it was best to not take them with, uh, with them. One who had... Withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Now, I'm going to pause here for a second. We're talking about the humility that Barnabas had. He was walking alongside of Paul for all those years, but it wasn't just Paul, there were others like John Mark, that Barnabas said, you know what, I'm going to take you under my wing. And even though you deserted us back in Pamphylia, I believe in you. And that second missionary journey, there are exciting things happening. The church is spreading all over Europe. And Paul And Barnabas in this story hit a wall, and they come to an impasse, a point of of disagreement in the voice version of the Bible. It says their difference of opinion was so heated that they decided not to work together anymore. Now, this is a series about better together. You say, how does this fit in? How does that work? Well, listen, Paul uh, abandoned John Mark, but Barnabas said no. I still believe in you. He humbled himself, and they walked together. And we don't know all the details. We don't know what was happening in John Mark's life, what his current state was at that point. But Barnabas said, you know what? We will go a different direction and continue to spread the good news. And again, we don't know John Mark's uh, spiritual maturity, but what we see is that Barnabas is humble and gives John Mark a second chance. It's a huge, bold move, encouraging, and it's certainly humble. You say, well, why do you mention John Mark? Well, what's the big deal? Who is John Mark anyway? Well, uh, his story uh, was not over in chapter 13 when he decided to jump ship. Barnabas knew that somehow. He believed in him. And Barnabas stepped in again, took him under his wing. And it's interesting that this is where Barnabas... In the story in in the book of Acts falls off the pages of Scripture. But his influence continued and actually increased as he walked with John Mark. John Mark uh, would go on and eventually be reconciled to Paul. And I wonder, would Paul have ever reconciled with John Mark if Barnabas would not have walked with him for a season? Also, John Mark would go on to write the Gospel of Mark that's who wrote the Gospel of Mark, would he have done that if Barnabas would not have walked with him and said, no, come with me, walk with me in that season. And what can we learn here? We can learn that there's power in the Gospel for changed lives. Amen? And no matter what you've done, no matter what you've faced, where you've been, uh, we need people like Barnabas that see the best in us when we make our mistakes, right? And to walk with us and say, you know what? I'm going to give you a second chance. I believe that everyone needs a Barnabas in their lives. Amen? And the thing is, a Barnabas is probably not going to be someone in the limelight, probably not going to be someone on the billboard or even on a book cover. A Barnabas is probably someone in the shadows. See, Barnabas was not credited to write even one sentence in the New Testament. But his impact through Paul and John is unmistakable. And I was thinking about this and saying to myself, I want a Barnabas in my life. I want to walk with someone through this life that would be that kind of encouragement. But what is the best way to get a Barnabas in our life? I want that. I want someone that's generous, someone that's unselfish and loyal and mature and humble. How does that happen? And I sat with that and just asked the Lord, God, help me. You know, how can I share? How, how do we get a Barnabas in our lives? And I felt like the Lord just shared with me to flip the tables. And we all need to be a Barnabas ourselves. I need to be a Barnabas. You need to be a Barnabas. You are the one that will walk along some, with someone for renewal, for comfort. You're the one, number one, to be generous. To be generous on every occasion. And when you start to practice generosity and you start to give, even when it hurts and there's sacrifice, you know that your needs are going to be met. Because the Bible says, if, with the measure you give, you'll be pressed down, shaken together, running over. Barnabas understood that. And we can understand that as well. And when we are, decide to be a Barnabas, we need to be generous. We also need to be loyal people, people that are trustworthy, people that are mature, long suffering, forgiving others just like Paul did or just like Barnabas did with Paul and with John Mark. We need to be the type of person that's that's loyal in the sense that we can be chosen and we can stick to our guns and we can be trusted. And not only generous and loyal, but we need to be a Barnabas. We need to be humble. And I know we just spent a whole series, uh, come, we just came out of a series on humility. And if you missed a week or two, or maybe you're brand new with us, go back, listen to those messages on humility. I believe that your life and my life, is the, they are at their best when we are not the most important in our life, right? When we put someone else's needs ahead of our own, it, we, that is when we start to really understand Uh, how life really can get good. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says that as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. That verse certainly applies to a Barnabas relationship that you're walking through life and you're getting the best out of your friend, your associate, your companion. We need a Paul, yes, to be pouring into our lives, but we also need someone to walk along with us in life shoulder to shoulder, because we are better together. Amen? We need that accountability. We need the strength that comes. We need that friendship that comes by being together. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me. This last year has been uh, an interesting year, but there have been some sweet highlights in my life. And one of those was earlier this year. My daughter, Reagan, and I, We were able to go to Portland, Oregon. She graduated from university, uh, North Central, and then uh, as a kind of a trip and just we both saved and we went to Portland, Oregon. And then on one of the days or two days, we kind of drove down to the Redwoods in Northern California. And uh, here's a couple pictures of these. It was kind of a dream trip. And just these massive, these are the Redwoods. They're actually sequoia trees. I didn't know they were called sequoias but until we got there. But uh, these massive trees that are two and 300 feet high and just massive in circumference it's hard to explain the next picture is me down at the bottom and uh, this is a picture Reagan took of me and it's even there it's hard to even describe until you've been there um, the next picture is it looks at the roots there one had kind of blown over uh, and I mean the root system is just uh, just the the base of that tree is that massive. The next one's a Reagan in there. Isn't that a great picture? One of my favorite. And uh, I love that. And the reason I put these pictures of the roots is because these roots would allow uh, for these sequoia trees to grow on the side of mountains. And you say, man, how in the world do these massive trees grow on the side of mountains? And how do they, you know, how do they grow so tall when you really start to understand what a redwood tree does, is the root system you might think would go super deep and super loyal. Kind of like I've heard that if you if you have grass and you cut your grass at four inches high, that there's four inches of root below that to match what's above. At least that's what I've been told. And, but that is not the case with these sequoia trees. The root systems do not go super deep Instead, they go super wide. Very interesting. And the roots are very shallow, but they go out and they intermingle with other sequoias and they hold each other up. And they actually nourish each other. The roots do. So one tree is nourishing through the root system other trees, and that tree is being nourished and sending nourishment and receiving nourishment. These trees are better together. You could grow one sequoia and it would be okay, but when you put a whole forest full of sequoias, these trees will grow for hundreds of years. That's how they get so big. And They can survive all kinds of storms and fire and insect uh, damage. These trees are insect insect, uh, repellent. Like There's almost nothing that can take these trees down because they intermingle and they support one another. And even with these big wildfires out west, uh, we saw some of the damage as we were driving through. Um, It will appear like A whole section of sequoias have been burned up on the outside. But these trees continue to grow. And it is remarkable. It's beautiful. It's incredible. And I just wanted to kind of paint this picture. That we need to be like these redwood trees. Growing, nice and tall, strong. But our roots were better together. You are not meant to live or to walk through this life alone Lord help us I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes I wrote a few things here about Barnabases and after each statement I want I will say be a Barnabas but I want you as I read these I want you to be thinking I need to be this type of person these are prophetic, I believe, words over, spoken over us as a congregation uh, that this is who we are called to be. The first one's this. Barnabases are the friends and family who cheer us on when the road is tough, when the road is steep and hard to climb. Be a Barnabas. Barnabas. Barnabases are the cheerleaders who rejoice with our accomplishments and celebrate when success knocks at the door. Be a Barnabas. Barnabases are the supporters, the door holders, the defenders, the burden carriers, the prayer warriors, and the selfless friends. Be a Barnabas. Barnabases are faithful in devotion. They're obedient to the Lord. Be a Barnabas. Barnabases are often on their knees in their prayer closet. Be a Barnabas. And the last one, Barnabases are the people who believe that change happens on the path of long obedience in the same direction. The people who believe that faithfulness changes generations be a Barnabas we all need a Barnabas and we all need to be a Barnabas if I could get your eyes on me just for one more second this morning my challenge it has hit home to me in this season and I've certainly had some Barnabases in my life, people that I've walked with shoulder to shoulder. But I've realized something about myself. In fact, Jessica and I, we've even talked about this a little in the past. That it's easy to walk through this life shoulder to shoulder. I can show up and run with guys or ride bikes or climb mountains or you know all kinds of things. Or we can get together with couples or whatever. And... Uh, and we can experience life and, and there's a measure of good there. But can I just be honest with you? It's a struggle for me at times to be a great Barnabas, someone that's vulnerable, <laughs> someone that gives second chances, uh, but that someone that's willing to share the hard parts of my own life. It's easier just to be superficial and shallow But a Barnabas, really, even though I know I said that Sequoia roots are shallow and go deep and we join together, a Barnabas is willing to take a relationship and go beneath the surface and go deep. And that's what I want to call us to. I'm calling myself to this, to be more aware. Even in between services, I had an opportunity to talk with one of the dads here uh, at our church. And I opened up saying, hey, this is what I've struggled with, and this I know you're struggling, and and just, Lord, help us to take this responsibility, this opportunity, and to be serious about it. Amen? Amen. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing. Lord, you are moving here at the Gateway Church. It is evident, and we are excited. And Lord, we just believe that you're. Uh, hand is with us and that you are moving in this place. And Lord, I we just want to be faithful and we want to enjoy life and we want to be uh, uh, the type of person that can walk with someone through the thick and the thin to provide strength and accountability and, and uh, just resource and, Lord, and fun for that matter. And Lord, we also want to extend that not only to others, but we want to we need that in our life and to be that for others. And Lord, I just pray that you would just burn that inside of us today. I pray this in Jesus' name. With your head bowed and eyes closed, uh, if you're here today before we have our closing song, I'm curious if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. I don't want to go a service without giving you opportunity. If you're online and you're still tuning in with us and you're saying, man, I need a relationship with the Lord, I need salvation, you can just type in the uh, chat and we will follow up with you 100% of the time. But if you're here in person and I can see your hand, would you just slip up your hand and say, man, I need to come back to the Lord, I need a relationship with Jesus? Yeah, thank you. Who else? Thank you. For the sake of the one, could I just lead us in a quick prayer before we close with our final song? Would you all say this after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I'm sorry for the sin in my life.
0: I'm sorry for the sin in my life. Please forgive me.
1: Please forgive me. Take away my sin. Take away my And sin. make my heart clean. Make my heart clean. I believe that you died on the cross. Rose from, the grave, you rose from the grave, and you did, it for me. you did it for me. I put my faith in you. Put faith I put my in trust, in I in trust in you. Jesus in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. And we rejoice with the one. Come on, let's just thank the Lord for it's working. It's right. working here. Amen. Right. Amen. 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 Would you stand? We got a closing song that really speaks to the fact that uh, we need each other, but. We have a God who is with us. He is for us. And someone here needs to hear this final song. And so, Sam, as you lead it, go ahead. You can start there. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord. We thank you, God, for what you're doing, Lord. We believe in you, God. We honor you, God. We thank you, God. Lord, you're at work, God. Come on, just all across this place, let's just con- just worship the Lord. Lord, you're with us. You never leave us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's worship together.
0: Lord, we thank you that you are with us, that you'll never leave as the song says. It's not just the words of the song, it's a reality of our lives, God. You're with us every single step of the way. Lord, and I pray that we would be able to be, as Barnabas was, be kind of like a paraclete, that would just stick closer to a brother. That would be an encourager, God. We'd be generous, loyal, and humble. Lord, help us to be that to someone this week, this afternoon, God. May it permeate our lives. May it become part of who we are in the body of Christ. May we all be Barnabas to one another. May encouragement abound in this place and in our lives whether we're here between these four walls or whether at work or in a grocery store, wherever you lead our path, may we be generous and loyal and humble. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the body of Christ, for your presence that we can take with us as we leave this place. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Have a great week.